0: The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, my Lord. At that time, John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we tried to prevent him because he does not follow us. Jesus replied, Do not prevent him. There is no one who performs a mighty deed in my name who can at the same time speak ill of me. For whoever is not against us is for us. Anyone who gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ, amen, I say to you, will surely not lose his reward. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were put around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed than with two hands to go into Gehenna, into the unquenchable fire. And if your foot Causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life crippled than with two feet to be thrown into Gehenna. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Better for you to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye. Then with two eyes to be thrown into Gehenna, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. So you're here for a reason. Because deep down in your heart, You know, you believe that God loves you abundantly, more than you can imagine. And there's a desire that that love stirs up, a desire for an encounter. But it's easy for us to lose sight of that. Envy, And pride can distort our image of the love of God and distort the grace around us and turn us back in on ourselves. But the good news is that envy and pride don't have the last word. In fact, they can be stepping stones that lead us to a deeper love of God. They can lead us to the peace and joy that God so longs to give us. And if we want to find that path to peace and joy, the first place we need to start, the first thing we need to get right in our hearts and our minds is who God is and how God works in the world. And for many of us, our image of God is Santa Claus. He rewards you when you're good and then basically just withholds love when you're not. He doesn't give you the good stuff if you're not good enough. But that's wrong. Another image that we have floating around in our heads of God is our parents. Our parents are always lurking in the background of our lives for good and for ill. And if we were blessed and lucky enough to have good parents, that gives us an image of God who's supportive who wants us to succeed, who wants us to do well, who will do what they can to help us. And that's a decent image of God. But I want us to take it even a step further because God is beyond our parents, even the best of parents. Our God is unbounded love who created you not because He needs you, but simply because he loves you. God gives himself to you beyond your comprehension and beyond your imagination. An image I'd kind of like to plant in your heads alongside those other images that you have of God is an image of, think of um, Niagara Falls and the water rushing down in this torrent. That's God's love for the world. It rushes down and it overflows and splashes all over the place, getting everything nearby soaked in the love of God because of its abundance flowing into our world. God is unbounded love that overflows into our world. Or another image is right back there, the baptismal font that you walked by on your way in. Where the water fills all of creation and even spills over and flows out. And if we were to try to cap that thing or to stop the flow, it would explode with water and with the love of God. See, God's love overflows, and we cannot contain it. But what we hear about in the first reading and the Gospel today is envy and pride, which are trying to contain the love of God that cannot be contained. Lindale read us in that first reading, and the context is, Moses is tired. He's worn out of leading these people, and he asks for help, and God says, sure, gather 70 of the leaders, the elders and your people, around the tent of meeting, and I will send my spirit upon them, and you will have some help. They will be filled with the same spirit that I've given you, Moses. So Moses does that. He sends out invitations and they gather at the tent of meeting and God's love pours down upon them like Niagara Falls. And they begin to rejoice and to pray and to prophesy ecstatically. But here's where things get problematic. Here's where the trick comes in. See that love that God had poured down so abundantly had splashed over and it had hit Medad and Eldad who didn't show up at the tent of meeting. They were supposed to be there, but they didn't show up. But God's spirit splashed upon them because it overflowed so much and they started prophesying and praying just like the ones at the tent of meeting. And guess what happened? Little boy saw it and runs out to tell Moses. They're prophesying in the camp, and they're not supposed to. They're supposed to be at the tent of meeting. And Joshua says, Moses, you need to make them stop. God said to come to the tent of meeting, and that's where the Spirit was going to be, and that's what you're supposed to do. And Moses says, Joshua, you don't get it. See, God's love works like that. You can't put a cap on it. It's going to overflow. It's going to spill out in ways that we don't understand and we can't predict. And when we try to put it in a box, when we try to bound that love and mystery of God, we're the ones who lose out. See, Joshua was envious of the gift that God had given Eldad and Medad. He wanted it for himself. He wanted it to be where it was supposed to be. He wanted to control God's love. And Moses, being older and wiser, says that doesn't work. In fact, when you do that, you lose the good that's out there because you can't see it. You see the gift that God has given someone else, and you think somehow it's been taken from you which is the craziest thing in the world. Just because somebody else has a great gift doesn't mean you didn't get what you needed and the gifts God had for you, Joshua. Would that all the people were prophets. Would that God's grace went everywhere. We see the same dynamic happening in the gospel. The disciples see somebody out there, and he's casting out demons in Jesus' name, but John says, "But they're not one of us." And Jesus says, "John, anybody who is doing good is one of us. Anyone who is doing good, is one of us. Whoever is not against us is for us. And then, to make the point even stricter or even clearer about the problem in John's heart, which was the same problem that was in Joshua's heart, he goes on to say those very strong things about sin. If your hand is your problem, cut it off. If your foot is your problem, cut it off. If your eye is your problem, put it out. See that envy, that pride, that trying to control God's love, that trying to see something good in someone else and calling it evil? That's destruction. So destructive that it's better to cut off your hand or your foot or put out your eye than to do that. See, envy is destructive. And the readings show us that it's part of all of our lives. I do that. I think most of us do that in some way at some time when we're jealous of something someone else has or something someone else is able to do or a relationship someone else has that we wish we had. But the good news is that that's not the end of the story. We're not stuck in being bent in on ourselves or being selfish. We can cut it off. We can cut envy off at its root. We can cut pride off at its root. See, we can retain our peace. See, envy is sadness. Envy is I look at something beautiful and a gift someone has, and I get sad because I don't have it. Or I get angry because God didn't give it to me. Me. But we can straighten that out. And it's really simple. It's really simple. When I look at Joseph playing the piano, and I say, God, I wish I could do that. How come he could do it so well, and I can't? That's envy. And see, I get sad. But when I look at that and I say, wow, what a gift God has given him. And he's sharing it with us. Then I'm not sad anymore. And the envy is broken. And I've cut it off when I rejoice in the gift another person has. Or if I see a relationship that is so beautiful and they love each other so, so much, but mine has been broken, I can get sad. I can say, poor me. Or I can look and I can rejoice in the joy that's there along with them. And that can bring healing into my own life. See that grace that flows down and splashes all over, shimmers around all of us. And all we need to do to break the power of sin, to cut envy out of our lives, is to rejoice when we see something good. That's it. It is a simple path. And when you find your heart getting sad, and when you find yourself turning in on yourself, find something to rejoice in, in someone else. Find someone else's gift to rejoice with them in. And that peace that God is pouring into your heart will return. Because he has given you everything you need and more. Because, St. Thomas More, God has given you everything I need. He's just given it to you. He's given you everything the world needs. And when we share those gifts and when we rejoice in those gifts together, then the peace and joy that God wants for all of us returns. See, God is unbounded love and His grace pours all over the place. And when we can see it and rejoice in it, We're on the path to the new life of joy and peace that God wants for all of us.